Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Picture this. You're stranded on an island forever. Don't freak out because you get to bring one dish with you. Your desert island dish. What is it? Every week, your hosts, Paul and Tegan, that's us, will ask this question. We'll chat with and torment a literal raft of guests on the island who'll dish up stories, gossip, and culinary secrets. But they all have one thing in common. They bloody love food. Welcome Welcome to to Dish. Paulie, Paulie, Paulie. You kitchen wizard, you. I am so impressed. Uh, I know that we are only into our third episode of Dish, and welcome everyone, by the way. But I do not like Brussels sprouts. I've made it very clear that I don't like Brussels sprouts. And you whipped up something last night, and my God, it was delicious. Oh, thank you, because, I mean, your parents live on, I wouldn't call it a farm. They like to call it a farm. It's not a farm. It's, <laughs> it's, they have a lot of produce, basically. Yes. And they rocked up with this bag of Brussels sprouts. And I think partly it's because your dad has that kind of childlike aversion to them. He's like, you take them. Uh, so, and you, and you, look, it's not rare to not like Brussels sprouts. I think it's very common. It's Dickensian, right? Devil's testicles. I'm just saying. There were quite a few devil's worth of testicles in this bag. There were so many It was testicles. a meaty harvest. Yeah, it was terrible. But there were so many of these things and I didn't know what to do with them. And you were talking about, we were trying to figure out what to do. And I thought, look, my challenge for myself is to make these testicles palatable. We're going to have to stop calling them that or it's going to ruin <laughs> the dish. So, yeah, I kind of, I looked on Bon Appetit as I want to do when I'm sort of stuck. And I just typed in the name of the ingredient. And there weren't many options, I'm not going to lie. And Andy, who's one of the chefs over there, recommended this roast Brussels sprout. I almost said roast testicles dish. (laughs) And man, they roasted up good. They were so enjoyable that your dad liked them. We had him over for dinner and he ate them. I I watched two Higginbotham's enjoy their (laughs) testicles. It was fantastic. It was quite the night. And what's even more incredible is that we actually spoke to the guest on today's island, our new kidnappy. Is that the word? A kidnappy? Uh, I think captive audience. Captive forever audience. Yes. A new captive forever audience on the island. We actually discuss Brussels sprouts with her because one of her things, one of her biggest things, in fact, is nutrition. Yes. You know, she is on a bit of a global mission to get people to eat well. It's week three. You guys understand how this works now. We trap people on our magical food island. (laughs) We lure them here. Invite them. We invite them to our magical food island and they may never go home again. So far on the island, we have guests Georgia Love and Sammy Shah. They're getting along like a house on fire, by the way. They're getting along quite well. I'm Uh, feeling ostracized. I knew this was going to happen. They formed a cool kids club over on this kind of southern cape. So we haven't seen them (laughs) for a little while. No, which is weird. We invited people here specifically so that we'd have cool friends and now they're one of a bar of us. That's fine. What we need to do is get our next guest on our team. Yes. And then we'll be the cool guys. And given that I've cooked up a whole bunch of Brussels sprouts, I think she's going to be on board. We're not going to keep you waiting anymore because I am so excited about our guest. She is Australia's 
favorite nutritionist and crystal loving hippie. You may own one of her 10 cookbooks, Paul. That's a lot. It's a lot of cookbooks. A lot of cookbooks. Or you might have listened to her incredible podcast, Fearlessly Failing. I can see her coasting over the horizon right now. Please welcome to the island, ladies and gentlemen, Lola Berry. You are from Australia and you've now, you know, kind of located across to Los Angeles. How is the food scene in LA compared to Australia? What, like, what are the notable differences between the two? Apart from the amount of fried foods, what's the, what's the actual difference at its core? Okay, well, I'm a health nerd. So I have been able to like, everywhere I go is like, there's this amazing health food store here called, Aussies call it Air One, but Americans call it Erwan much sounds much nicer when Americans <laughs> say it. But, but if you're meeting up with an Aussie, they're like, "Yeah, hey, I'll see you at Erwan." But um, it's they've got like, and this is their like iconic Americana thing today. Because I was like, "Do I need to have some American food with me?" Anyway, I got an American vegan raw vegan pumpkin pie. But you're a health nut. How do you? I mean, how are you enjoying LA as someone who is ostensibly eating healthy? all the time oh i love it i love it i love it but i mean also remember like eat, even though these there's all these like health alternatives out here like mm. for the thing that you want to cheat on there's a healthy version of that but also if you want to cheat on something unhealthy like i do have a little like i love a reese's peanut butter cup so unhealthy yeah, but great. you can you can get that at the you know the their version of woolies and coals here for like five cents not five cents but like it's so cheap to eat bad that's the interesting thing as well, you know. Well, look, I feel like I feel like we just dumped straight, jumped straight in, and dumped at. I feel like we just jumped straight in <laughs> to to where you're at at the moment. But first of all, Paul, we've forgotten to tell Lola that she's actually never going to get to go to LA ever again because she's now on our island yes, and, and you're island- trapped here forever. I was also going to say, Lola, at the beginning of every episode, we were going to ask people if they're a fan of food, but for you, that seems like the most redundant question because. Not only are you clearly a fan of food, but food is, I mean, food has taken you around the world. Food is your everything in some ways. I mean, it just feels like it's probably one of the biggest relationships in your life. Totally. I mean, I've written 10 cookbooks. So yeah, food has been like how I've built my whole career. Although my next book has nothing to do with food and I cannot (gasps) wait. Like I love food and I love that I've written wellness books, but I was like, I'm ready for something different now. So, yeah, it's exciting. But, yeah, food has been how I've built my entire career, I would say. Before we left um, for the island, and we're now trapped here as well, uh, we were actually <laughs> recording this podcast on Greville Street in Paran, and we did a little digging, and it seems like your career sort of started here. Is that correct? Oh, my God. My first job when I was 18 was in a shop called Stevie on Greville Street, like, we used to sell acid wash jeans and then all go to Prince of Wales on the weekend. <laughs> you guys must be similar vintage to me. I'm 1985. And, um, yeah, I would I was like a DJ and party animal and did like crazy makeup, thought I looked like Boy George. So I did like stencils on my face and wow. then I'd just go out, wear acid wash jeans and party my brains out, you know. <laughs> I'm slight, I'm 88, so yeah, we're pretty much in that same bubble. I didn't go the full, I wasn't doing Boy George style makeup, but I did uh, put texture in my hair for a lot of, yes. a long, long time because of Killing Heidi. Um, oh, God. And we, we kind of friends with the, 
with the singer from Killing Heidi now. Um, I've not told her yet that I used to colour in my hair because of her. Oh, my God. Oh, I had such... you have to. I, yeah. I celeb spotted her the other day because I live in, well, before I flew here, I live in Byron Bay. And I, we saw her down the street and my boyfriend was like, oh, I had such a crush on her growing up. I think everyone did. Oof. Right. I've known you in what you are now. I've known you as this global nutritionist, you know, this this person just who is across everything. But it was really nice doing all of this research about you and hearing about the things like the fact that you kind of started here on Greville Street and that you self-published your first book, which yeah. I just love. And I find that so inspirational. What what. How did you know that you're at that point where you went, no, I've actually got something to say and I'm, I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is and back that up and, and self-publish a book? Dude, I didn't know for sure. Like I never thought I was smart enough to write a book. Like I was a, I went to uni, studied drama, thought I'd be like Kate Blanchett, clearly wasn't, and got the teachers like, you're all going to be drama teachers. And I was like, fuck that. That's so not for me. Pulled out of school and I got enough, like drama teachers have made my life. Like I love, I'm back at school studying drama right now. It just, I just know I'm not patient. <laughs> you know, I pulled out, became like a DJ and makeup artist anyway, fell in love with my DJ teacher on Greville Street. I was learning at Boutique Nightclub and, uh, which is on Greville Street for people listening, a bit like I'm really aging myself, but anyway. And um, yeah, I wanted to look really cool in the summer. I, I went on a little summertime detox and I was like, oh man, I feel good. Like I sleep better, my skin's better. I feel confident in what I'm wearing. And then I just started like real, like saved up, got three jobs, bought a video camera. And I was like, I'm going to be the Steve Irwin of fruits and veggies. And most people are like, what are you going to do? Wrestle broccoli. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> like legit, I want to like use the medium of media and tally to spread a good message and help people feel healthy and be inspired to be healthy. And on the first morning show I ever did like my website which was basically a landing page broke because people were trying to buy a book that never existed so I just put all my tv segments into a book and that's how the first book happened oh Oh, that's that's so great that's amazing and it must be really interesting to go all right I'm going to be an an actor and then to accidentally end up on camera in a completely different context did you feel like you were kind of scratching that itch when you were doing morning tv 100%. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, my God, this was all for a reason. But it's so funny, full circle. I'm in LA studying TV, presenting and acting again and improv. Like, what are the chances? (laughs) That's wild. Do you see this stage you're in now as you stepping away from food and nutrition? Is this going back to your authentic roots, you know, the place where it all began? Or is this just another chapter in in another incredible book that you're going to write? Meaty question. I like. Look, to be honest, um, I, I basically shot a pilot for Channel 7 co-anchoring uh, like a wellness show and I remember I frigging loved it. Like time stopped for me. I was like, oh, my God, I'd learned the auto cue by heart because I was so nervous but I just mm. loved like hosting and I've always been a segment girl. I've never, I've always been told I'm not strong enough to carry a full show. And so I was like, stuff this, I'm sick of that feedback. And like I'd done three or four pilots that just never got green lit. And um, so I called up an acting school and I was like, hey, can I enroll in your TV presenting course? And they're like, it's full, why don't you do acting? And I was like, Haha, I'd rather swim with sharks. And they're like, well, that's a great sign. And then I got hooked. Like I love that feeling of being scared all the time and acting 
fully feels like that. And then every now and then like something happens where your heart explodes and you're just like, oh my God, it's this thing that is so much bigger than me. And that's why I was training acting. But if you said to me, what's my skill set? I just love TV presenting. Like I love knowing what cameras are on. I love holding space for other people and guests. Like, yeah, so we'll just see what comes. I have zero idea what will come. That blows my mind though, that anybody would have told you that you couldn't carry a whole show. I mean, I just find, I find sometimes feedback that creatives get and people who will just sometimes say something, not realizing how it can truly affect somebody's trajectory. I don't know. I find that baffling. But that feedback typically comes from non-creatives who don't understand. I mean, if you are like in a producer's kind of role and you view talent and creatives as sort of just chess pieces to be moved around and to make money, then you don't really take into account their journey. And I think... I'm just so glad that you've sort of flipped them the bird and ended up where you are, um, which of course now is trapped on an island. (laughs) But I was going to ask, okay, so you have structured a lot of your life around food. And one of the things we like doing on Dish is sort of saying, hey, can you tell us about meals that have completely changed your life? Yes, this is a really, really good one. Um, To this day, I don't see this friend very often, but when I do, he looks at me and he goes, fig and balsamic pizza. So we were in um, we were in London. I was actually filming for the London Olympics for the morning TV show called The Circle at the time. Wow. And I was over there. We were filming at Borough Markets doing a lot of food stuff, working with Jamie Oliver's crew. So I was just like, oh, my God, mind blown. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, losing my banana. I signed to Jamie Oliver's agency at 15 at his restaurant in London. Like I was <gasps> fully living the dream. Anyway. They dropped me eventually when I came back to Australia, as, as, as the story always goes. But anyway, um, I was dating this musician there and I was full, like, gobsmacked and I was like, oh, he, this guy's the one, blah, 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 as you, as you do think in your, like, mid-20s. And um, anyway, I was so excited to film my work. I spent all day filming prep stuff at the London Olympics site and I was like, great. I'm going to catch up with this guy after sat me down at dinner and he was like, Hey, I'm seeing someone. And I was mortified. So I went home, like bawled my eyes out and I traveled with a makeup artist and fashion designer, actually that Stevie guy and that owned the fashion store that I worked at when I was 18. And we kind of Mm. like all traveled together because I don't know, like creatives find each other and all that kind of thing. And I said, I was just bawling my eyes out, shoving my face full of like chocolate chip cookies. And my friend's like, babe, we're going out. You need to get out and have a wine. Anyway, this is where the good food experience comes in. We were just walking down a little street. I was like ready to eat my emotions. And we just turned down this little lane in London. I think we were in Shoreditch. And we just saw this piece of driftwood stuck on the outside of a building. No labels, no signs, no nothing. And you had to hand your phones over. We knew it was a restaurant, but you had to have hand your phones over when you go in. So no photos, no nothing. What? Yeah. And we sat down and to this day, we say it's the best pizza we've had in our entire lives. And it was like fig, balsamic, onions. And it was amazing. And yeah, and then you get your phones back as you leave. So you don't, you're, you're fully present, you know. So the fact that you've though just shared the details of this restaurant, are they, are they going to put a hit out on you now? Like is this, have you broken the secret restaurant code? 
I don't know. It was te- like 10 years ago. So I'm sure. Do you reckon it'll still exist? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it's kind of like the Harry Potter room of requirement in Hogwarts where that <laughs> restaurant, you walk there, it's just a blank wall now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Look, I was going to say, I mean, we typically speaking, um, we've tried to say to people, look, bring a recipe if you want. And you sent me a <laughs> photograph of what looked like avocados that have been fried. And I'm really delighted and confused. And I was... <laughs> I was hoping maybe you could talk us through what this recipe is that you've that you've shot us. Yes, yeah, so I wanted to see something kind of quirky, and I thought avocado chips. Like everyone, well, Aussies are like never cook avocado. You talk to any Aussie, they'll be like, "Don't add," you know, it's like, "Don't add it to a like toasty, like or anything like that." It's like sacrilege. You keep your avo fresh. But I found a recipe where I could crumb the avo. Pretty sure in that recipe I baked. It might be fried because I just flicked through a recipe I wrote ages ago. But I, I was like, I want to pick something weird, so I deliberately picked weird for you guys. But I crumbed this avo, and then it becomes like crispy, like chip, chip-like. And then I made an aioli, like proper old school aioli to dip, or like a mayo aioli to dip it in, and it's delicious. So they they're crispy, but then soft in the middle, really yum. So, because Tegan's favorite thing is chips, and I can see her like there's so many emotions playing across there's her so face. There's so many. Well, because first of all, <laughs> I think I'm the only person in Melbourne who doesn't like avocado. I know it's almost blasphemy. Oh. I, I own 16 properties as a result. Um, <laughs> like, I yeah. Just, I, I've just never really taken to it, but maybe this is the thing I've been waiting for—the chipification of avocado. Oh, right. Okay. Maybe Ooh. this will bring it into my into my happy place a little bit more. So the trick to getting someone to eat something that they, they don't like is to fry it. Is that what you're saying? Well, basically, <laughs> you know, you do that with kale. People are like mm, num num. This kale is gorgeous. It's like, no, it's the butter that you fried it in is absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> This the is kale scary. is is nutrient delivery. It's it's just getting the job done. I mean, I I'm sure that probably Lola, judging from what I know about you, probably a big fan of kale. I am on the fence still. Yeah, no, I I love a good I love a good kale shippo. I'm not gonna lie, but my concern is if you don't like avo because of the consistency, well, mm. you're not gonna win this battle because it's still like an avocado inside, my friend. Sorry to bust the bubble. It's not a chippo inside. Does the heat liquefy the avocado even further or does it stay pretty firm? Great question there. No, it stays firm, but you've got to have it in quite big hunks. You'll see in that photo, they're wedges, you know. Mm. Interesting. So it's mm. yeah, it's more like a wedge as opposed to a fry or right. a pub style so chip. You wouldn't give it to your mum, Tegan, and uh, Kaz, and whack it in some sweet chili and sauce and some sour cream. That oh, really that sounds conf- yum. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. Actually, you might be able to help me with this. So Paul and I, as you know, most normal people, we differ on some of our tastes. I'm not much of an avocado person. Mm. Um, I don't eat nuts. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm allergic. I've had some bad reactions to some of them and just not been game enough to figure out how allergic I might be. Um, A lot of superfoods don't really float my boat. And I I don't know if I'm being a child, but sometimes I feel like I'm not... um, I don't know, I feel that the world of superfoods and super healthy eating and things that have been activated, I felt that they're not really for me. Like almonds, I couldn't even jump on the activated almond thing even if I wanted to because I might die. How do you, I mean, if you're a noob like me or if you're a dummy to superfoods, how do you encourage people to come into this world? Because this is your jam, like finding the healthiest way to, to up your life. You know, this is kind of what you do. How do I do that? This is going to sound like the most boring answer, so I apologize in advance. But, like, a really great friend of mine wrote a book called Just Eat Real Food. Like, we get so excited about goji berries, acai, 
friggin' this thing from Mulberry from South Africa. Or like, you know what I mean? Like there's all these mm. it superfoods that cost an arm and a leg. And I just think eat really good food, like balance it out 80% of the time. Like eat really, really good food 80% of the time. 20%, yo, treat yourself. Like have a caramello koala. That's like my favorite thing, you know, like just find the balance. I don't think you need to be having charcoal this and activated this. And if you don't like kale, don't eat bloody kale. Do you know what I mean? Like just eat a balanced diet. Like it's so boring, that answer, but it actually works. No, it makes me feel so good. I I love hearing that because I've always felt that maybe I just wasn't getting something. I remember the first time I tried a goji berry and I was just, I was just very upset. It was like a go to hell G berry. <laughs> I was totally <laughs> wounded by this berry because I'd expected so. I think I'd expected something of a cranberry sort of taste. Of course, a, a bit more of a pop or something. And mm. that's just nice to know that maybe, uh, maybe there's still hope for people such as myself who, yeah, I just don't get it all the time. Paul, you do though. You you love it. Love what? Love activated foods? Yeah. I mean, I, I I like eating things that have a lot of words describing them in the title. I like things, I like the most, I like really pretentious food. I will, if, if a thing is being pitched in a weird way and I've not tried it before, I will try it. At one point when I was a kid, I think I was called a fussy eater. And as a, as a reaction to that insult, I kind of ran in the opposite direction. Yeah, right. So you could just give me like a charcoal tablet and tell me it was from the Himalayas and it was scraped up from the steps and it was like, it was sanctified by whoever and I would, I would eat it. You know, I had a rock once. So I, I guess, you know, I will eat anything. <laughs> Lola, I'm sure you kind of encounter people who ha- have little food hang-ups kind of bouncing off ingredients sometimes. What is the what is the thing you use in your recipes the most that people kind of chafe against? Mm, I mean, in the beginning, like with cookbooks and stuff, it was kale. People were like, oh, here we go. It's another mung bean kale person. <laughs> right. But um, I get like, I get the, as you were describing what you made last night, I was like, oh, sign me up. But... I get that there's like when there's a lot of flavors going on. I think it's also the way people have been brought up on what kind of food they've been brought up. Like when I was really young, when my parents got divorced, so I got two different sets of cuisine depending on if I was at dad's house or at mum's house. And it was both great. But like if I grew up only living at dad's place, I'd probably only eat Pop-Tarts, you know. So, (laughs) you know, I think it's got to do with so many different things and, you know, in your teen years kind of like trying new stuff. So it doesn't matter. Like if it doesn't work, if you're not into coconut – you're not into coconut, big whoop. Like I just think make it work for you. And I say that to all my clients. I still practice as a nutritionist. And I'm like, we've got to make this work for you. Because if it's not going to work for you, it's like if I was forcing you to eat avo, you'd be like, screw this. I'm not going to be compliant. So mm. just whatever it is with health, simplify it so that it works for you and it fits into your life. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds. And I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What's happening next in food? I mean, I know that it's just like any sort of fashion. Things go in and out. There was a little while there where you couldn't, you know, you couldn't open a recipe book without seeing kale in something. 
what's happening now or is there a movement that perhaps has already taken off in LA that will get here in Australia in, oh, I don't know, 15 years or so? <laughs> Do you know what? I, I own a coffee company, so I love following coffee trends. But here there's a um, movement called, and it's in Australia as well, but it's called B- Bulletproof Coffee. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but basically it's like your long black coffee and then you add MCT oil to it, so medium chain triglycerides that feed the brain, usually derived from coconut but tastes nothing like coconut, um, and then ghee, so clarified butter, and it gets all <laughs> whizzed up, right? And it's like a full-blown brain tonic. It's all about like sending ketones to the brain. That's massive here. Like there is bulletproof labs here. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. I can't believe that ghee is becoming a health movement. I thought that ghee was was bad like oh, he like, was cholesterol heart failure bad town it's like heroin it's the heroin of the butter world <laughs> also you wouldn't want a like the like a paramilitary organization to accidentally get a bunch of bulletproof coffee vests they would die very quickly <laughs> I mean, yeah so ghee is i thought yeah you're I right i thought ghee was bad no okay yeah so our parents generation they grew up very much fearing fat but I mean, from what I've learned and kind of like the trend now is to embrace fat, like the good ones as well, like your avos, mm. your nuts and all that. But you want to stay away from refined carbohydrates. So sugar, basically sugar's like the baddie, not fat. And so that's kind of been like the last 10 years. A lot of the books like I Quit Sugar, Sweet Poison and whatnot, they're all talking about the issue is actually really refined carbohydrates and sugars as opposed to fat. Like good fat is really good and butter and lard and like going back to those old school fats are actually not a bad thing obviously now let's let's bring it all back you have with you a raw kind of vegan spin yeah. on pumpkin pie now i love pumpkin pie i, I make pumpkin pie oh, um and i'm yeah. a big fan and so i'm just really curious as to now that we've talked about good fats and about the kind of your food kind of identity i'm curious as to how you think they've done have they succeeded in making a pie that emulates the pumpkin pie experience or is it just sort of a pale crumbly sad imitation all right i've got it here i've got it right here for everyone listening do you want to hear what it's made from do you want to hear what it's made from okay so raw vegan pumpkin pie we've got the filling is made from cashews carrots coconut oil maple syrup cinnamon nutmeg vanilla the crust is coconut cashew coconut oil and a little bit of pink salt then vanilla extract so it reads super clean to me like if i was like i want an indulgent treat but i don't i don't eat gluten so that ticks a box for me vegan i'm not so strict on but it's just massive in california because there's so mm. many plant-based cafes so to me i feel like that's not bad i mean whether it's going to be as good as you know what you guys can whip up i don't know but it looks good Hang on, where's the where's the pumpkin <laughs> yes pu- sorry sorry i think i skipped over that so <laughs> i was so confused I was no like, wait guys there is no pumpkin in this no. it says pumpkin pie feeling cashew carrot coconut oil maple syrup nutmeg oh vanilla God. guys there's no pumpkin what the shit is going on this how is like, did i do this <laughs> how is this i'm sorry it's it's an orange pie i'll give you that this guy heard carrot but no pumpkin but then wouldn't you call that a raw carrot cake yeah this is what i'm is is there something in pumpkin that's bad for vegans oh my god the pumpkins have been alive this whole time oh my god am i missing something about the pumpkins yeah pumpkin juice is just blood 
Oh no, honestly, yeah. I'm telling I'm going to take a photo and email this to you guys because I'm telling you there is no pumpkin in this. It's got all <laughs> the pumpkin spices, though, I will say. Oh, my God, yeah, because, look, I'll be honest. Uh, the pumpkin pie that I make, which is a Bon Appetit recipe, is just, I mean, the real stuff is the, is the spice mix and the condensed milk, right? The pumpkin's almost okay. a, a Secondary. delivery. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a delivery, uh, like, receptacle for sugar and spices. So if they get the spice mix right and if the crust is kind of... How's the crust? Is it is it kind of... Oh, look, guys, it looks a little pale for my um, liking. It's not, right. you know, like golden and buttery. It's not that. It's like anemic. But, I mean, you know, I, I feel like I picked a real winner for you guys. I was like, I'm going to get something really Americana but also healthy, but I feel like I failed. Well. <laughs> anemic pumpkin, not pumpkin pie. I really, I do enjoy it. Well, I don't know if you're able to talk about it, but you've just piqued my curiosity so much about what your next book is going to be. Are you able to share anything at this stage? Yeah, totally. So it's more about mental health, my own personal journey, stuff I've learned at acting school. So there's a whole chunk on human behavior. I'm really, I'm nerdy about human brains. I just love them. Uh, And then it's a bit, it's got kind of like a personal development twang. It's like all the shit I learned in my 20s that I would want people to know to help them navigate life and kind of like, you know, hunt for the good stuff in life. That's the goal. Is there anything you can, I mean, I found my 20s to be so difficult they, they were yeah. so oh my god 20s it's it's I, I don't like the way that in, uh, I, I don't know if we still emulate them in pop culture but it's meant to be the the peak of your life you know your 20s and carefree and all that sort of stuff and I just found it to be an absolute bin fire it was so hard what what you know do you have a couple of those top line recommendations for anybody in their 20s who might be listening apart from put pumpkin in your pumpkin pie well that I one, yeah. know that should be just like the first rule of the book right no look honestly I write a lot about like the dating game in 20s like you know when you in your 20s you go on a date and you're like oh my god he's so pretty like and you're like locked in on like all the great things that you just totally ignore all the red flags that you get given on the first second third fourth fifth date and so I kind of like talk a little bit about like learning to listen and learning to kind of like um be okay with like walking away from things and like having your own back being your own cheerleader like also I think like really tuning in and you guys have kind of touched on this a bit with talking about creatives like tuning into your own gut like being able to be told by a producer yo um, you look too fat in that outfit which I have been told um and be like thanks but no thanks like I'm gonna wear this because I feel good like having your own back and I think that doesn't come in your 20s 20s was hardcore for me too like I went through eating disorders shit tons of heartbreak but all stuff that I'm so grateful for because it led me to therapy it led me to really work on myself and ultimately it led to this book so yeah that's incredible that's awesome it's so funny that that in a weird way it's kind of horrible that being in the creative industry and I find body issues just go hand in hand and I think this is going to be something that you know we're on a food podcast and if you're a creative or actually I'm sure that it's just a lot of people uh food is not just a conversation about what you like to eat and what you don't it can be a really complicated relationship for a lot of people yeah it can kind of delve into you know um how you look how you feel where you're from how much money you have i mean it's a complicated thing yeah it's really fascinating gosh that sounds like it's going to be an amazing book though absolutely amazing now yes lola uh we need to know what your desert island dish is and whilst i am hoping it's the pizza that you ate in that weird room of requirement restaurant i mean what dish have you brought with you to the island you're gonna kill me it's sweet not savory i'm a sweet tooth guys 
it's my boyfriend makes me whenever like it's meant to be for my birthday but like I get it at Easter I get if I've had a bad day I get if I've had a good day like literally I've eaten this tart especially in Melbourne lockdown last year it's called a Linzer tort and it's this I think it's German I want to say but but his mum makes it and he's Italian but it's stole it's not an Italian dish it's stolen um but a Linzer tort is like the base is made from hazelnut meal and it's got that thatching on top as well and then inside is like raspberry jam it's so good and you can do a plum jam one too so Linzer tort would be what I bring I love that you have brought a sweet I think that is so good because I think that most people are going to be too afraid to bring a sweet and although we haven't established the rules of sharing yet and I still don't know if we're going to share our food on this island I'm, I'm on the fence I think that it is incredible that you have brought dessert and I'm so grateful for that and I'm going to ignore my nut allergies and just eat that thing you know what's funny is everyone's kind of picking a spot on the island to live what's funny is our, our first guest on the show Georgia Love brought foie gras which <laughs> as we now know provoked something of a strong reaction so I mean I assume that you know the tort is going to be I don't know I don't want you guys to kind of you know, build a build a wall and kind of not interact. But I mean, I- I'm just saying, there's not a lot of people on the island at the moment. And if you had to choose Team Foie Gras or Team Tort, it's the Tort. It's the Tort. 100%. <laughs> Sorry, Georgia. I'm looking at this oh. thing now. It's oh my god. So hang on. Sorry, what's the filling on on this one? So it's kind of like a um, like a I pick the raspberry jam, but you can do it with a plum jam as oh. well. And it's like been handed down generations the recipe, so it's delicious. But also, I know Georgia Love; she would have bought on a sneaky bottle of wine too, so she'd be getting people like sitting with her with oh, her booze for sure. Hundred percent, hundred percent. She'll get everybody <laughs> drunk, and then we'll be eating foie yeah. gras before we know it. Hundred percent. Yeah, guilty. In the I love morning. you, Georgia, but I know that that's how you're getting people on your side. Just wake up in the morning hungover, just covered in debris and bits of duck. You know. <laughs> Just yeah. what a mess. The tort's the only thing that can fix that kind of moral vacuum you find yourself in. Uh, well, look, and you're also, I mean, uh, Lola, you've also got, I mean, you've got so many kind of strings to your bow. Could you tell us a little bit about your podcast? Yeah, it's called Fearlessly Failing, and it's where I interview people that have just got, I don't even think it's necessarily they've got like anything special going on. It's more really that they just march to the beat of their own drum, basically. Like Georgia Love's on it as well. She's my first ever guest, just the same as in this Weird. case. Yeah, she's amazing. But um, yeah, so I interview people that have kind of like on the outside, you're like, oh my God, they're amazing. They're doing so well. They're incredible. But really, I want to know about the bumps in the road. I want to know about the things that taught them about themselves, the things that have made them grow. Because I think that that's really where the magic lies. And Mm. so that's the whole premise of the show. That's great. And I mean, obviously, we'll try and set you up a little studio somewhere on the island so you can keep broadcasting because I think that's quite important. Although it does also mean that your guests on your show will be trapped here as well. So maybe we can do a kind of like a guest exchange program. Uh, I like it. Tegan, is there anything else you would like to ask? I've got about a million things, but I'm aware that it's the evening in LA. So actually, I think, um, you know, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Just, you know, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us. This has been awesome. Thank you guys so much. You've kept me smiling like I've got sore cheeks now from smiling the whole time so thank you both so much total honor so lola berry chronic overachiever what a what a wonderful guest i feel like she really unlocked a lot for me there with regards to that feeling i've had that i'm not really welcome in wellness whereas i am i just need to pick which bits i like and eat them lots yes just don't eat that pie that sounded dreadful i mean just weird she sent us the ingredients later on and yeah sure enough there's no pumpkin in it i don't quite understand how it's a pumpkin pie if it doesn't have pumpkin orange 
Everything that's orange is pumpkin now. Welcome to 2021, Paul. Brilliant. Now, Lola gave us a recipe and Tegan is, I can see your eyebrows kind of oscillating during this interview because you are a big chippy person. I'm a big chippy person, but here's the truth, Paul. I'm never going to make this recipe. I'm never going to make this recipe in my life at all. I do not like avocado. I have no time for avocado. Don't try and win me on avocado because, you know, I've had your guac and it's fine, but the texture scares me. Okay. Nevertheless, it, I think other people might really dig Lola's avocado yeah, chippy well, recipe. The recipe is called, yeah, baked avocado chippies with real mayo. Now, I'm assuming it's not like the pumpkin pie and that it says it's real and it actually isn't. I'm excited about this recipe because she sent us a photo and it looks delicious. So, the ingredient... Don't make farty noises, although that could be the noise an avocado makes when you squish it. So, <laughs> what you want to do is take two avocados cut into wedges, two eggs lightly beaten, two cups of gluten-free breadcrumbs, or just breadcrumbs if you want to be brave. We use panko. We use panko in this household. Then two egg yolks, um, the juice of one lemon. Again, whenever people put citrus in a recipe, I'm like, just double it. Yeah, but you've got to be careful in this case. I mean, it's different with a zest. You can double a zest. If it's a liquid thing, Mm -hmm. you can actually make whatever mixture you're working with just go too liquidy. So just be careful with that, Paul. Yes, and of course, you want this to hold its shape. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Uh, One pinch of salt. Uh, 200 mils of light extra virgin olive oil, and then to serve, fresh lime. Again, citrus, great. So you preheat your oven to 180 degrees, and then you line up a baking tray. In one small bowl, have your eggs, and in another, have your breadcrumbs. So then you take the avocado wedges, you dip them in the eggs, then you crumb them, and then you lay them on the baking tray and try to keep the avocado wedges separate so they cook nice and evenly. Then you bake them for about seven minutes on one side, give them a good old flip and cook them for another five minutes until they're nice and golden at the edges. At that point, you want to get some mayonnaise happening. Now, you can either be a lazy idiot or you can make your own. So for that, all you need to do is you'll need a food processor, obviously, or a very, very fast hand with (laughs) with some sort of bladed weapon in it. Um, You want to start off by popping your egg yolks and lemon juice into the food processor, uh, and then the mix will start to thicken. So, oh yeah, so uh, here's a funny story. Egg yolks and lemon juice, that's mayonnaise. That's it. Is that all it is? That's all it is. Um, So why aren't we all making our own mayonnaise more often? I am worried that Australians... Look... Caucasian Australian culture, I think, has a bit of a bugbear with mayonnaise for some reason. Because well, my family's Dutch and we oh, were raised... yeah, no, so I don't think it's us. I think it's a you thing. I think most most Australians don't like mayonnaise because they were raised on tomato sauce. The weird cultural rift when I ask for mayonnaise to dip my chips in, like, what are you doing? And then they dip it in tomato sauce, which is the wrong flavor palette for chips. Anyway, if a chip is good enough, you don't need to dip it in anything. Um, so you get your... Egg yolks and your lemon juice, you process them until it thickens. Oh, and then in goes your oil. Mix until the mixture is nice and creamy. Then what do you do? Then you scoop it out into a serving dish or a little bowl. Cute. I really appreciate that she's put this step into her recipe. I would eat directly from the food processor. I've seen it. I've seen it happen. But we're not savages around here. <laughs> not anymore. Even though we're on an island. Not since the talk. <laughs> uh, here's a fun story about being a food savage. And this is... This just should show you. Are you and talking about suck chip? No. Oh. Although that's a great story, and we should save that. Listeners, please chase us on suck chip at some point. Actually, you know what? Forget my story. Suck chip's way better. So tell them, please tell them about suck chip. Hashtag suck chip. Okay, so it was very early on in us dating. Too early. Like. Two or three months, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> we were in a grilled. No, we were in a schnitz. Oh, that's right. It was a schnitty chippy, my favorite of all the chippies. It's the best chippy. 
So we're in a schnitz, eating schnitz as you do. Mm -hmm. And you went to the bathroom and so I grabbed (laughs) one of your chips. And I sucked all the flavouring off of it. And then I put it back in the chippy box. Just to fuck with you. You're a, that's a serial killer behavior. That's not normal. <laughs> and you were just watching me. It was early enough. Okay, listen, everyone. Listen, folks. It was early enough in the relationship that I was still trying to impress her and still kind of wasn't 100% sure on how to. She's crying. She's literally crying. I wasn't sure on how to read Tegan's face and her moods yet. So I thought, that's weird. Is she flirting? And so I just started. <laughs> Eating chip by chip And then I got this chip in my mouth And I can't describe the sensation Because it had the consistency of a regular chip but it Maybe was a... it was like avocado Yeah, maybe Yeah like, No, you know what? Don't impugn Lola Berry's avocado chip If you're saying they have the consistency of a sucked shitty <laughs> chip Okay? So she suck- So what happens is it- Okay, you suck the seasoning off, right? It's and not was- a recipe Don't give them no, step listen, by step No, I'm not Because what are the steps? One, suck chip Two, profit what- What's happened is I put it into my mouth and it had kind of gone a bit limp and then cooled. And so I thought, I looked at her and went, like, why are you shaking with laughter? And it, it lacked that nice grainy consistency on the outside because there was no seasoning. And you said, suck chip. And I said, what? And you said, suck chip. And then you just sort of kept saying that. And then you explained to me that you sucked my chip. Um, After you've put your processor mayo into a bowl because yeah. you're a grown up and that's what you do. Uh-huh. Then you want to plate up your avocado chippies or your sucked chippies. It depends on your preference. And then you just get to dip those chippies, sucked or avo, into your mayonnaise. And what Lola recommends here is spritzing it with fresh lime, which I completely endorse. So that's the recipe. That's baked avo chippies with real mayo. Mmm, yum. You know, Lola's probably going to hear the suck chip bit and go, hey guys... Way Why to did you re- wreck my recipe? You know what? Maybe we will make them. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dish. We hope you've enjoyed yourselves. I know that, Tegan, I mean, clearly, you, you have a tear-stained face from that suck chip story. Oh, I'm so sorry, everybody. Look, if you haven't been completely turned off of us forever, please don't forget to hit us up on Instagram at Dish Island. Dish is part of the Acast Creator Network. 